You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Making mistakes and learning from them is a lifelong process. Our kids deserve ample opportunity to learn from their mistakes at a young age. But what happens when they do something so severe, the result is possibly getting canceled? Dr. Lisa DeMoor helps a family through this difficult process. This week, we present an encore episode. Episode 102, My Son Messed Up. Can I Keep Him From Being Canceled? You know, I'm still going strong with this salad club. And can I tell you, it's <laughs> really been wonderful where, you know, I, everyone makes a salad and you have one day of the week and we rotate and you get these salads every week. It's really helped me with my control of craving sugar. sugar. <laughs> it's like this impulse to constantly eat chocolate throughout this pandemic for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, been a lot of chocolate consumption around here for sure. Well, I love sweets. Um, and I also think about, was there something I could have done in my childhood that could make me not be so impulsive and eating chocolate all the time? <laughs> Does it bleed into adulthood and other activities? Uh, is that true? Does it? I don't know. I mean, chocolate, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, if you're impulsive, then that's what you do to eat when you're impulsive as you eat chocolate. I think I think you're living right. But on the topic of impulsive things, when it comes to your kid, there are things that are far more egregious and could have long-term consequences than chocolate. And that's why this letter really stood out in our inbox. And it says, it's talking about impulse control. And it says, Dear Lisa, my 13-year-old son recently made a terrible mistake, posting a picture of one of his best friends that was compromising with a caption that was both racist and homophobic. It was sent to a group text chat of almost his entire class at a small school. I suspect that they were all teasing each other with the same hurtful language that many found funny. But my kid is the one who thought it might be funnier to send it out to all their friends. He definitely has impulse control issues, which mostly seem normal for a 13-year-old boy who's eager to be the life of the party. But now his friend has been devastated and humiliated. His other friends are angry, and he's equally upset at having been so stupid and hurt his friend. We're taking away the phone indefinitely and working with him to write an apology to his friend and his parents, who are good friends, and now very unhappy. But more importantly, 
I'm looking for guidance on how to help him with impulse control as it impacts the other areas of his life. He's a very bright, charming, engaging, and talented kid with tons of friends, but he acts and speaks before he thinks, interrupts a classroom often, and gets himself into trouble quite a lot. Would love your thoughts. You know what? I don't know why this resonated. I didn't have a moment like this in high school, but I think we've all done stupid things that you don't think about, and you look back and go, that was really dumb. Why did I find that funny and do that? Right, and we didn't have a digital record of having that dumb thing. No, this letter is so thoughtful. And there's so much in this letter that I just want to underscore as being um, so excellent in its way. So first of all, this parent is not making any apologies for what the kid did. You know, she is like, my kid was out of line, should not have done this, he's impulsive, but what he did was wrong, and we've taken away his phone, and we're making him apologize, and he feels awful, which is also good news that he feels very bad about this. It's such a um, it's such a nuanced letter, and you know, recognizing that this kid did something really destructive, and I mean, using racist and homophobic language is, you know, completely beyond the pale. And at the same time, impulsive kids do dumb things. Yeah. And um, what she suggests in this letter, and I, I've seen this, it's more about being provocative than anything else. Right. And and we have to address the racism and the homophobia because that's huge. But the driver may not be that this kid is a particularly, you know, he's not a bad, bad kid, but, you know, who feels horrible about what he did. Is that he's very, very provocative and got himself in trouble mm-hmm. and got out ahead of himself. Mm-hmm. What do you think the parents should say to this boy? There's so much going on in this letter here. Well, it's interesting. And so I just want to, you know, to really focus on the racism and the homophobia. Okay. One of the challenges is, especially for eighth grade boys, there can be a lot of that language that circulates in their worlds. And a lot of the places where you'll see it is actually when they're online gaming. Um, you know, often kids will be playing a game and then simultaneously speaking or typing Um, kind of trash talk or side chatter. And from what I understand, they throw a lot of slurs around in that. Hmm. And I don't know if this kid's been involved in doing that, but I think what we have to actually start with is that words that for you and me may feel like just absolutely appalling and they do not you know, cross your lips, you try not to even think about them, they may feel, you know, just a million miles away from anything we would actually say. I think we have to start with the reality that for a lot of kids, and especially if they're engaged in certain communities where these words are used more often, or in online environments where they are used, they're more normed than we would imagine. Um, He may have heard these and may even be using these far more than the parent appreciated until it blew up. But how do you have this conversation, especially if you're not black, you don't have any gay family members? How do you approach this so they realize what they're saying has consequences? Well, I think you lay down an incredibly hard line. And I would have parents do this if they think their kids are exposed to these terms at all. And and one of the things I think about so much, Rena, is like what gets normed, what gets heard, what mm-hmm. gets said. And, and the way in which when we drop into environments where stuff that 
is inappropriate is happening a lot, it stops seeming so inappropriate. And that's what parents have to work against. So in my ideal world, every parent would say to every kid, unless they had some reason to think that it was totally unnecessary, you may never use a slur. You may never use somebody's identity as an insult, Uh, right? Whether it's their racial identity, their cultural identity, their sexual identity, their sexual orientation, their gender, any of it, anything that is an identifier as identity can never, ever, ever be used as an insult. And I would just like hammer that. (laughs) You know, you can tell. Yeah. Hammer it. So that's a place to start with this kid. I mean, he knows he messed up and he feels terrible and everybody's mad at him. Yeah. But that bigger piece and then to really say and i think you know it may be that when you're online with kids gaming they're doing this all the time right let me be clear mm. you may never use identity as an insult so i think that um part of why i'm so glad we're looking at this, this letter and thinking it through is every parent needs to say this to their kids yeah like yeah. it just has to be understood and we can't assume that the dinner table conversations we're having are setting the norms for our kids about all conversations. Mm. I like how in this letter the parents have, you know, it's just like they've checked off as much as they could to do the right things. They've made him write an apology. Uh, you know, they, they've actually had a conversation with the parents of the kid, which, you know, you've had so much guidance on what, when should you do it, when should you not. They've already taken that step. What can the boy do at this point to really fix this and feel like he's trying to right or wrong? Well... I think it should be treated as sort of a long and uncomfortable process, honestly. I think, and this parent is doing, you know, she's well into a long and uncomfortable process, that the phone is gone, that he's had to write a letter, also, I think, to apologize to the parents of the kid. There's this question about, you know, the broader peer group and how to make it right with the broader peer group. Um, But the reason I say a long and uncomfortable process is when we screw up, If we have to do a lot of work to make it right, our chances of making that mistake again go down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he messed up big. And so I think that I wouldn't, if I were the parent in this situation, I would not rush through the repair on this because there's a lot of damage. Wow. You know, and I often think we want to get past this. So let's write the letter. Let's talk to the parents. Okay, let's check it off. Can we just move on? At some point, you want to kind of clear the deck and be like, we've dealt with this. We're moving on. But you're saying that it just know that this could be a long haul. It could. But at the same time, Rina, as you say that, I also think there's there's not a benefit in this kid feeling like he can never recover from this. Right. 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 I mean, which is the thing like, about being canceled. It's like it's over. It's done. Like you you can't come back from this, which I hate right. about cancel culture. Right. And it's really tough. And, you know, there's, you know, a lot of thinking about cancel culture that's like, you know, maybe there's people who really have a lot of room to grow and want to grow. And, totally. you know, do we want to try to engage them? And certainly this boy, all indications is in that camp. So I guess what I would say is in addition to what they're doing, I would keep an open question about. Who else has been harmed and what else does he need to do to repair it? You know, mm-hmm, and and, mm-hmm. and they're underway with that. But I would, um, you know, if he's – he humiliated his friend in the eyes of the entire cohort. And um, he also then has made the cohort nervous about him, right? That's uh, the other thing that happens okay. is that then they're like, dude, you know, if you're going to do that to your friend, 
what would you do to me mm-hmm. um, if we're not so close? So I think without seeming to um, suffocate him in shame, right. which is not what we want to do, there needs to be an ongoing awareness that, you know, real damage was done here. There are things he can do to repair it. But just because he apologizes doesn't yeah. mean that people are going to accept his apology. Mm. And they may need to see that he is able to get himself a little reined in, isn't saying provocative things of any kind, much less racist and homophobic provocative things. He may have to earn their trust back, and that may take time. Mm. We're going to take a quick break. I want to, on the other side of this break, get into sort of impulse control and, and things in this particular situation this kid can do to sort of fix the situation with uh, parents as well. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table for settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Just think of all that cash back you can get on those groceries. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today. So the future you will thank you for it. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cash back credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cash back? A getaway with the kids? A spa day for yourself? Whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cash back credit card. And don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paying for college shouldn't be the hardest part of higher education. Hi, it's Rena Nainen, co-host of the Ask Lisa podcast. I recently spoke with U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona about FAFSA, the free application for student aid. Did you know you can apply for financial aid today and you'll get a response within one to three days? Check out our show notes to the link for the full interview on our Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe for the latest videos from Lisa and me. That's the Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So we're talking about this child who uh, parents are worried is is being canceled over actions that he knows was wrong. how do you think the parents should view this at this point? The mom's also talking about impulse control. What should the parents' overview at this point be? Well, she did the right thing, I think, in taking away the phone because an impulsive kid plus a phone is a dangerous situation. And one of the real challenges about being 13 and 14 is the gas is strong. The brakes are weak neurologically. Mm. Mm. 
And this boy seems to have an especially heavy kind of lead foot on the gas and an especially weak neurological breaks. And that will change over time. You know, this is something that the brain is developing. It is very gawky at these stages. The impulses are very powerful. The controls are comparatively weak. So time is on their side. But when he is showing everyone that he can use his phone to impulsively do a ton of damage to say, you know what, buddy, (laughs) I think you're going to take a phone break. You know, you can you can use a house phone. You can use this flip phone. I mean, like I think um, is really smart because at some level and, and this is a tough thing, Rena, impulsive kids are impulsive kids until they're not impulsive kids. Like you have to try to control the environment around them to minimize the chances that they're going to do something really problematic. And I have a fabulous colleague, um, Dr. Tori Cordiano, who's one of my close colleagues, and she takes care of a lot of young boys. And this is something I've learned from her. She's like, a lot of it is controlling the parameters and environment around them while their breaks develop. So taking away his phone for a while is a great idea. And then when the time comes to return the phone, probably monitoring it very closely, which gets back to actually what we were talking about in the last episode around how much do you supervise how kids use their phones? This guy, I think this is a great example where you're like, we are going to be looking. We are going to ask you to open it up and show us everything. You know, if we have any reason to think you've deleted something, it's going to be a big problem. You know, if you want your phone back, and believe me, he will want his phone back, there has to be a sense that it is a totally open book. And again, you know, for very different reasons than we were thinking about in the last episode, that will also help him to be less impulsive, mm-hmm. right? If he's mm-hmm. about to do something dumb, he yeah. might think, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it. You know, the parents clearly identified in this letter that he's got impulse control issues. You know, they don't say exactly what it is. But what are some of the red flags that you can tell your child does have impulse control issues? And what are just what is just normal, like, okay, that's just teenage impulsiveness. Like, this is just part of the process. You've got to just deal with that. It's hard, right? I mean, and certainly in a, in a group of, um, you know, 13-year-old boys bluntly like they're they're kind of you know they're kind of like pinballs I mean they (laughs) they are definitely um busy people and um can be you know this doesn't describe every eighth grade boy but I think that a lot of people who teach eighth graders would say the eighth grade boys are a handful you know they can definitely be a handful but this letter is so beautiful in that this parent describes, like, he also gets out of, out of himself in class. You know, yeah. he shouts things out. Exactly. So part of how you can know if your kid is unusually impulsive is if the school is telling you the kid is unusually impulsive, right? Because they're, they're, you know, their baseline is all of the other eighth grade boys or all of the other eighth graders. And if they're like, your eighth grade son is, yeah. you know, um, definitely a kid we're very aware of. Parents should take that seriously. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They do. I'm sorry. They do mention sort of the things that he does, which kind of red flagged the impulse control. Yeah. But the other thing, and I don't hear this in this letter, but if a parent had a very, very impulsive kid, one of the questions I would ask is, does that kid have an undiagnosed ADHD? Oh, interesting. Yeah, because what we think about when we think about attention deficit disorders, we think about the attention piece. But impulsivity is actually one of the key diagnostic criteria. Wow, really? Yeah. I've never so, heard that before. Huh? Yeah, no, and it's interesting because I think a lot of people feel like, well, no, they, you know, it's not attentional, it's impulsive. And um, I would leave open the door that maybe they get evaluated or start to think more broadly. Is he also having trouble with attention? Is he also have trouble focusing? You yeah. know, and is he impulsive? Because if 
that's going on, right, if it's part of a broader picture of getting himself in trouble because he says stuff he shouldn't say and he can't stop himself, and it's connected to ADHD, that opens up a bunch of treatment options, um, medication being one of them, that can very helpfully slow kids down, improve their breaks, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and keep them out of trouble. Oh, that's so interesting. You know, we're talking about cancel culture. Do you think this kid can come back from this? Is this fixable? I think it might be. Might. Especially because he feels bad. Might. I mean, he's they, they've done all the right things. Like, I know. What, what, you're saying might? I mean, this is just so wrong that this kid is going to be canceled over issues that he's dealing with. And so now he, it's done? You know, Rena, I hear a wide range of things across a wide range of communities. And in some communities, I think there would be room to work. And I think in other communities, they would say, you know what? You said a racist thing. You said it. You typed it. You shared it. Um, we don't need to make room for that. Wow. And I just feel like that's so wrong. You know, as, as a woman of color in particular, the upbringing I had, I get not everyone may have, but there should be an opportunity if you've screwed up to have a second chance. How do parents allow that environment to have a second chance if your community is like, no, we're done, bye? I think it's tough. I mean, I, I've seen people move schools over things like this. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, that's my honest answer just from what I've seen is that this is not something that some communities will tolerate, even from an impulsive kid who's really sorry he did it and who, you know, we can't look in anyone's heart. We can only know what they've done, but who, you know, you kind of think it was more about being provocative than being racist. And, yes. um, but I think it's tough. I think what he has going for him is that by this parent's description, he's actually a really likable kid. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think the thing we forget about kids, they spend all day every day together. And they know a lot about each other. And they have a lot more data than just this one thing he did. And so what we need to remember, and I think what this boy needs to focus on, and the parents need to remember is, these kids have, you know, data point upon data point about this kid if they've all been together for a very long time in a small class. Now, what he did is this giant, awful data point that, you know, weighs very heavily in all of this. But let's say the community is willing to forgive and he can manage himself better and he can own that he has no room now. I mean, I think that's actually the real issue here is if he wants to repair this, he has no room to do anything in this neighborhood ever. I think one of my favorite phrases I've heard from a principal of a school said to a kid, once is a mistake, twice is a pattern. Oh, wow. And if people are going to forgive this kid, it will be because he did it once, apologized, owned it, did not expect immediate redemption and did nothing like it subsequently, I think if you take away any one of those factors, it's going to be hard for him to come back from this. Wow. Yeah, i got to tell you, you always approach these topics and surprise me. I, I was not expecting you to be this honest and brutal and just looking at everything. But it, it's interesting. Don't expect automatic redemption. No. And I expected you to say, here's the plan for automatic redemption. Yeah, I... um. I don't think that's realistic. And the other thing is, Rena, these kids have a lot more data on this kid probably than the parents do. Oh, interesting. And it could go, it could break either way, you know. Um, and this is something I can just say from, you know, raising kids and being around kids. By the time adults hear about it, it's a big deal. Something significant has happened. 
But just think about, like, these kids are together all day, every day. And so they may be more forgiving of him because they can put it in a broader context where they're like, look, dude, we know your heart's in the right place. We also know you can be provocative and dumb and you decided to do it in this particular way. Or they could be like, you know what? We've been hearing this kid drop subtler versions of this for a long time. And this was the big, you know, one that rose to the level of adults and blew up. But they may be more aware of a pattern than the grownups would ever be. Like, we have no idea. So I'm, of course, I'm pulling for it to be the first one, right? And of course, the parent who's writing this thinks it's the first one. And I hope they're right. I really hope they're right. Yeah. But, um, Trying to engineer the social dynamics of a pack of eighth graders is probably the most impossible thing you could try to do. Wow. And I think parents and adults need to be pretty humble about that. Give kids every chance and every opportunity to make it right, but not get too out ahead of themselves thinking they know the whole story. Wow, this was heavy. And I'm really rooting for this family because I think they've instinctively done so many of the right things that are hard for parents to do. First off, they acknowledge that they need help. And, and, and then second, they've taken a lot of action. So I'm really rooting that this kid and this family will help turn this around because there's got to be room for teachable moments. Yep, yeah. That's good. What do you have for us, Lisa, for parenting to go? You know, Rena, one of the terms that came up quite a bit in this episode was cancellation or cancel culture. And, you know, that's become a very loaded term um, among us. And what I think it can cause us to lose sight of is what this boy is really facing is consequences for his actions, right? I don't know if he's canceled or not, but he's definitely going to have to work through what he has done. And, you know, the reality is that people make choices and choices have consequences. This boy may lose some friends. And I think we want to think about those consequences, help him grapple with those consequences, hopefully help him learn and grow through those consequences. But I think if we call everything cancel culture, we lose sight of all the growth and learning that really is available to kids and to grownups when they make comments that um, they can learn from and grow from. It's important, that growth and understanding. And sometimes that comes from very painful mistakes. Yes, indeed. And next week, we're going to talk about vaping. How do you get teens to stop? I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.